creating a successful career in the equine industry with no equine background? Sarah Showalter is with us today to show you how that's done. She talks about knowing your worth, the stereotypes and labels of being a woman in this business, and marketing yourself because no one will ever discover you without effort. Let's grow, Thrivers. Hey, friend. Welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional. Are you wondering how to make connections to build a career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Welcome back, Thrivers. We have a fantastic guest with us today. My friend, Sarah Showalter, is the equine marketing director with Midwest Veterinary Supply. So new to us is really bringing in the perspective of a veterinary industry distributor. And Sarah, you have really thrived through your career and have brought so much to young equine enthusiasts. You and I met, I think, probably four years ago, five years ago, really when I took on a national role working with Zoetis and was lucky enough to get to work with Midwest Vet Supply, you and I immediately hit it off, I feel like. And we have so many similarities in who we are. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because we really have some of the same beliefs of encouraging young people, especially young women, to pursue these careers, to pursue the goals that will stretch you to know your worth. So let's kind of jump into who Sarah is as the equine marketing director with a distributor and bring us up to speed, Sarah, on how you got here and what some of your journey is. You've also made some moves across the country. I think you went to the Minnesota School of Business. So give us a little personal history history from the Sarah perspective. Oh my gosh. Well, um, first of all, thank you so much, Jody, for having me today. I'm super excited to be here and I miss you so much. So it's good to see your face on the podcast. Wow. Okay. So my story is, I don't know, probably a little bit different than a lot of people's story, how they got into this industry, I guess. And yeah, I originally started out in Minnesota. That's where I was born and raised, uh, Midwest, where I work right now. Um, Midwest Veterinary Supply, their corporate office is in Minnesota. So that's kind of how I get hooked up with them. But when I, I guess when I got out of high school, I didn't completely know what I wanted to do. And I am kind of one of those people that I am against going to college and spending money on college if you don't actually know what you want to do and then ending up with a degree in 
in something random and then not using it for its purpose. So, and I didn't come with a fam from a family that necessarily had like all the money to spend on college. I just knew I wanted to be in business. So I actually got a job at a little company, not far from the little town that I grew up in doing inside sales. That's how I kind of got my start. And it was, I don't know how to describe the company. So we actually did like fulfillment for like, actually like big companies. Like one of the big companies we worked for was like General Mills, but we did like redemption and fulfillment for them and stuff like that. So I'm a really hard worker. If you know me as a person, you'll learn that pretty fast. So I kind of hustled and bustled in that first job. And within a couple of months, got promoted to the inside sales supervisor at that at that company. And then like six months later, I applied for an, out, an account manager job, which was kind of like an outside sales role. Got that job, did that for like a year or so, and then um, moved on to a bigger company and did sales there, became their number one sales rep within a very short period of time. Of course you did. Yeah, because I go big or go home on everything I kind of do. That's kind of what I like to do. And then I kind of decided like after doing that for a little bit that like I love sales because it's a competitive and I can tend to be a competitive person if you know me a little bit from that. But I'm like, this is not, sales is not what I want to do. And I kind of got into doing sales or business because like, and not going to college right away. Cause I'm like, I really want to explore like different avenues of business before I decide what I want to go to college for. Right. So I applied for like a buyer role, like a purchasing role and got that, did that for a couple years. And that actually exposed me to marketing because uh, at that company, we had a, a huge marketing department. It was more of a marketing versus a sales company, honestly. And they had multiple divisions. It was a really huge company. It was actually at that time owned by Glenn Taylor, who used to own the Timberwolves. And um, he had a ton of Fortune 500 companies. And so they didn't pay well, but they were a company who like was their philosophy was kind of like, we're not going to pay you very well, but we'll teach you everything you want to know in business kind of thing. We're going to kind of be your stepping stone to where you're going to go moving forward. So they hired a lot of younger people, kind of taught them what they wanted to know and people moved on kind of thing. So it was a great company for me to learn a lot of different things, but I learned marketing. I ended up working my way into running a division at that company, which I loved. That was my first exposure to like managing people, running something. I Ended up going to school, uh, like you said, the Minnesota School of Business to get my business management and marketing degree while they worked full-time at that company. So I went to school full-time at night and on the weekends and worked full-time during the day to get my degree as fast as possible because I wanted to move on from that company. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to do bigger, better things. At that point, I knew marketing was my future and I had set some professional and life goals for myself. And... I was ready to get it done and move on from that company. So that's kind of what I did. And I got my degree. And literally two weeks after I got my degree, I resigned from that company and moved on to a startup company, which I hated. It was the worst experience of my life, that startup company, just to be honest. And I only stayed there for eight months. And then I found Midwest and they actually had a purchasing job open. And I just wanted to get out of that startup company so bad that I, I took the purchasing job in hopes that I could move into a marketing role. Because when I interviewed with Jeff Burkhammer, who is now the president at Midwest, but at the time he was the vice president, I had through those discussions, learned that they really didn't have a marketing department. And I was like, maybe I can just get in in this purchasing role because I had boatloads of experience with that. 
and I knew their system already. And then I can weasel my way into a marketing role because I did, I am a little bit of a salesperson, so I can talk my way through. And so that's kind of what I did. I got in in the purchasing role and then I kind of just started dabbling my feet into stuff and, and asking to do some of the marketing stuff and do a little of this and a little of that and was doing a few different roles. And within a couple of years, I moved into a marketing manager role where I was working on the companion animal stuff and kind of identified that nobody was working on any equine stuff. Actually, Kevin Abel, who is our, I would say, national sales manager, he was the only one that really focused on anything equine at Midwest at the time. And so I kind of started working with him and on some of the equine seven or AAP at that time. And, and that's kind of how I got started in equine. Honestly, I'm not traditionally a horse girl, which I think surprises some people that I now have the role I do, but I am one of those people that no matter what I'm doing, whether it is my personal passion or not, it becomes my passion because my work is my passion. And so whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it at 110% and I'm going to put the dedication into it and learn it regardless of whether it's my personal favorite thing or not. So I took learning small animal and then learning equine and I learned everything I could learn about it to make myself the best at marketing that stuff. So I did the marketing manager role for a few years and then in in November, 2011, I did really good at advancing our equine sales, I guess, through the, the little bit of work I was doing with that. They asked me if I wanted to start an equine division for Midwest, which was really amazing, really flattering. And here we are 12 years later and the rest is history. Now we have an entire division and we, I have a full-time marketing manager that reports to me and we have 18 inside and outside equine specialists that work under the equine division, they don't report directly to me. They re they report to their respective sales managers. But obviously, with the role that I have, I have a lot of influence over their daily um, tasks and stuff like that. And we work very closely together. And we, I, in my opinion, obviously, I might be a little biased. We've built an amazing equine machine at Midwest. So that's kind of my history. And yeah, I have moved around the country a little bit. I was in Minnesota. I, I moved to Pennsylvania for um, a few years. We have an office out there outside of Philadelphia. And now I live in like Greenville, South Carolina, remotely from my house, which I love. And this is my permanent home. This is where I wanted to ultimately be. And I lived here for like a hot minute. And then I ended up meeting my fiance and I'm getting married in like a little over a month. So there's my story. <laughs> All the things. Yes. I, and there's so many pieces and parts of that that are exactly why I wanted you to join us today, Sarah. And we try, or I try to really highlight so many of the different roles that many of our young people aren't thinking about, whether they're still in school or early in their career, looking around like you and I both did saying, what the heck do we want to do? What, who am I? And what do I want to do? What direction do I want to go? And so your evolution of really kind of getting started in a role that you weren't totally aware of. And many young people that come to me and I start to ask them if they can define the difference between distribution and manufacturing, they're not aware of these roles. And so what is a distributor? What is a manufacturer? What are the relationships between the two? And then I find it fascinating too, and love to highlight those moments and those seasons of our life when you worked for a startup and you hated it. 
Those are super defining in our journey. And I love to share with our listeners that that's going to happen. You will land in geographies, you will land in organizations, you will land in seasons of our journey that are not quite right. And that's okay. And I insist that it's okay as long as we are pursuing something, right? We're putting goals in front of us and we're pursuing something, but also that we're surrounding ourselves with people who are supporting and championing us. So there are a lot of lessons to be learned in the evolution of your career. And then not the least of which is that you did not go into your career saying, I want to be the equine marketing director for a distributor, right? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I had no idea, obviously, like 25 years ago, this is where I was going to be today. I didn't even know anything about horses really 25 years ago today. So it's, yeah, it's totally ironic that I've ended up where I am today, but I love where I am today. I couldn't be happier. And every stumble I've made brought me here. And I think that they're all important and they're all lessons that you need to learn, you need to take. And my biggest thing, my favorite saying is like everything happens for a reason and you never know at the time necessarily why it's happening. And and a lot of people often end up kind of getting in that little pit where they're like, oh, why is this happening to me? But you always have to just remember that you will, you will at some point find out why it's happening to you. And then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad this happened to me because it's going to happen for a good reason. You'll just, you just have to wait until you get to that point where you're like, this is why it happened. This is it. There's always a good reason why something happened. You just have to be patient to get to that point where you're going to figure out what it is and be open to that because there's always a lesson in something, right? I actually now I've been at Midwest for 17 years, which I'm like, where have these 17 years honestly went? It makes me feel so old, honestly, because I was actually in my like I was, I don't know, like mid to late twenties when I first, first started at Midwest. But I honestly, like, especially over the last five years have probably like reflected back on when I first started at Midwest. And I think like, oh my gosh, I was so probably immature when I first started at Midwest. And I can think back on like how much I've honestly grown in these 17 years. And I feel like a very different person from where I was when I first started at Midwest. And I love that. I love to be able to like kind of reflect back and see where I've gone and where, where I am now. And my goals now are very different from where they were when I was 20 and just starting out. But I think it's extremely important to have those goals professionally and personally, and they kind of have to coincide to some extent. Otherwise you're just going to be you know, kind of a mess if you don't, if they don't mesh together in some, some capacity. I've always been very goal driven and like my eye is always on achieving that goal. And I think that's probably gotten me to where I am. And I'm extremely proud of myself for achieving the goals that I, that I have achieved. And I've gotten there with certain people in my life who have helped me get there. I'm especially in a professional capacity who have rooted me on and a couple specific people that unfortunately are no longer with me that have cheered me on in my personal life. But yeah, I would just tell people to just not give up and make sure that you always have a goal. And once you reach that goal, have your next goal because life's amazing and you just want to keep going to the next thing. 
Yeah. And you talk so much about goals, Sarah. And I think that was a little bit of our kinship very early on. There were so many similarities. If I think we, you and I both have talked about disc assessments and we've talked about strengths finders and we've talked about words like that are very common between the two of us. We are achievers. We are enthusiastic. We are assertive and ambitious. So really knowing those things about yourself is step number one, but then finding the people that you can share that kind of passion with. And then even when it does come to a challenging situation in our career journey, where maybe those traits of being candid and direct or being a challenger challenge us because other people look at that and struggle a little bit. And so as much as you talk about evolving and learning about yourself, I thought that was a great segue of where you and I are really understanding of one another. I think that you have another point to make as women in business and women in these roles that are the women who are 10 and 20 years ahead of the young people that we are so passionate about encouraging. And so you've got some advice about stereotypes and labels. You and I, I mean, we literally preach from the same hymn book uh, so often. So let's talk about being women in business and in these roles and the traits that are sometimes uh, given to us and what they mean. Yeah, so (laughs) that's something I have definitely struggled with, honestly, my entire career. Anyone that like knows me from a personal or business aspect knows I am extremely outspoken. And sometimes I don't have the greatest filter. I, I can admit my faults. Sometimes I'll say it's a fault. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I, I like my lack of a filter. But yeah, I mean, just depending upon the industry. And I think especially when I came into this industry, it was a bit of a challenge to be a strong, assertive, outspoken woman. I, some people, if you're a woman and you're, you know, assertive or outspoken, it definitely can be taken one way where if you're, you know, a man, it can definitely be labeled as something different. I actually brought this with, and this will explain where we're kind of going with this. I have one of my favorite kind of quotes that I actually have hanging in my office, and hopefully this isn't too bold for your listeners to hear, but I don't, I don't think it will be for you. It won't be Jody, but um, so I actually have this in my office and I love this one and this speaks completely to the topic that we're talking about but it it says dear women labeled aggressive keep being assertive bossy keep telling the truth too much keep taking up space awkward keep asking the hard questions never shrink yourself to make others comfortable and I think that speaks kind of perfectly to what we're talking about here because for me all of those things I have been labeled before especially when I was younger. And I think that probably when I was younger in business, when people used to call me maybe bossy or I was too aggressive and, or they've called me the B word, which I, you know, I won't use on your podcast. I think when I was younger in business, I would get kind of upset about that. I would never let it show because I'm definitely one of those people that I don't really let people see that they've, if they've hurt my feelings, because I'm pretty strong that way. But I've been taken aback by that. And I think when I was younger, I didn't know how to necessarily react to that. And now I'm like, tough, like you're going to just deal with it because this is who I am and I'm not being aggressive. 
I'm being assertive. And if I was a guy, you wouldn't label me as being aggressive. You'd just say I was being a strong leader. And so that's the difference. And I'm not going to accept that that's the stereotype you're going to give me. I'm not being a, the B word. I'm just being a leader. And if I was a guy, you'd be calling me a leader. So I, I do think that, you know, women to some extent have to work harder, not just in this industry, but in a lot of industries to prove themselves to a, a huge extent. And we do get labeled certain things, but I, myself, like when I was younger, never used to necessarily accept when I was told that, but it used to bother me a lot, lot more. Now I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like, if you want to call me that, you call me that, but I'm not going to stop talking. I'm not going to let you back me down. If I have a good idea, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to continue to speak up. I'm going to keep sharing my ideas. And if you don't like it, like, that's too bad. Because if I'm intimidating you, that's your problem. It's not mine. Yes. And so there's a, there's something else that you say often, I think that speaks directly to knowing your worth. So a few of the conversations that you and I have had is about just who we are, right? And who we are is a lot for some people. And you and I are both to a point where that's okay. But I also want to share with our listeners that you and I both have a passion for professional development. And so that immediately when you said that, yes, you are like, you're, you're fully aware and accepting of what I might call our shortcomings or our developmental opportunities or whatever that may be. And so I have spent my entire career, as you have, becoming a better Jody, becoming a better Sarah, learning more about ourselves through those development opportunities like strengths finders or disc assessments and those kinds of things. So it's not about just kind of saying, hey, screw you. It really is about knowing your worth. So speak to that for us. Yeah. And, and definitely like, I want to make sure that that message is clear. Like, you know, when I'm saying like, make your voice be heard, I'm not saying be a complainer and just always don't stop talking. I'm saying, make sure that you pick your battles, be professional and share your ideas. Like if you have a problem, come with a problem, but come with a solution. And I do love that personal development. I love strength finders. I love the disc profile. I'm a D, you know, I'll just put that over there right now. I'm a D on disc. I'm a D on, on the disc profile. And I know that, but I also love to learn what other people are because I have learned that I am a strong D and that I know how people take that. And I also want to know who you are as a person, because I want to know how to speak better to you so that I'm not overpowering you or making you feel less than either. Because I just spoke about how I don't want you to diminish who I am, but I don't want, I don't want to do that to you either. So I want to, I want to know how to speak well to you as well. So I do love those personal development things. And I, when I talked earlier about like where I was when I was first started at Midwest, when I was, you know, 26, 27 to where I am now, like when I first started at Midwest, I probably didn't care how to speak to you, but, but now like, that's where my growth has come is just understanding like how to use my voice, my strong voice in a positive manner and helping to, like you said, know my worth, but know it in a positive way and use it in a better way. Right. And and know that just because I'm a hard worker and I have goals and I have ambitions that I also don't want to be 
used either, because I think that's something that I've learned along the way with my career too. When I talked earlier about like where I've been and and how I've gotten to where I am, like one of the things that I, I know I've done that I, when I coach or mentor, talk to other people that are younger than me about like how to get where they want to go right now is when I was younger, I would do anything. Like I just busted my butt and I did whatever I had to do to get where I wanted to go. Cause I didn't have the advantages maybe of other people of connections and things like that to try and get where I wanted to go. I just had to work my butt off to get where I wanted to go. And to some extent, people will take advantage of that. So you do have to understand and know your worth to know when to say no to some extent and and to know and say like, okay, I know I'm worth more than this. I have proven my value and I want X or, you know, I want Z and I'm not going to continue to like do all of this. I'm not going to do two jobs for the price of one. So like know your worth to know when to go to your manager and have a conversation with them and stuff like that. Um, Especially a woman like who already traditionally sometimes can get paid less. I'm just going to bring up that pay, that pay topic right now too, which is sometimes a sensitive topic too. So especially when you're young and you're trying to work your way up to something or work your way into something you want to do, and you are putting in that extra effort to get where you want to go, don't short yourself by just continuing to work your butt off and not reap a reward in the pay aspect as well. You know, once you, you get to where you want to go and you're you're doing the work that you're doing, don't forget to go and ask for something for yourself too. That's part of knowing your worth as well. Yeah, and negotiation, that that word comes to mind. And so much of what you just shared, I want to rewind and take notes on everything because it truly is the journey. This is not a destination. I know that's cliche and we continue to say it, but the wisdom, the professional and personal wisdom that comes from that kind of work ethic and determination to continue to be ambitious and achieve, but also along the way, and I think that's the important part now. That's why I'm doing what we're doing right here is finding us, finding those people out there that are 5, 10, 15 years ahead of you, at least that are in this industry and doing amazing things because we are willing to be mentors and champions for you and your journey. You can't learn the hard lessons. You're going to fail. We're all going to fail. We're going to offend people. We're going to take something personally when we don't necessarily need to. We're going to fail. And having the right people to share those failures and celebrations with and to really talk them out and understand how you take the next step and where to take the next step and to grow that community of connections. So, so much wisdom there because you you don't automatically know how to negotiate. You don't automatically have self-awareness to this level. You don't automatically learn all about other personalities and become a versatile salesperson or a versatile marketer or team member. So those things are really important. I don't disagree at all. And there's some of the the smallest things that you would often think that people would sometimes know or, you know, would just think that they assume they don't. I mean, I think the simplest things like, you know, when somebody is upset with you about something with somebody else about something and they call and they're like, so-and-so is upset and I don't know how to rectify this. I'm like, well, did you own it? You messed up. Did you own it? And like, well, no. I'm like, well, that's the easiest way to lose someone's respect sometimes is when you mess up and you don't just own it. Own your stuff. 
you'll gain more respect when you own it. I mean, just some of those little coaching lessons that I think some people don't get or know or not handle. And I've learned those the hard way, like all of us have at some point. I love that stuff. I I, I love helping people and, and talking to people through some of the hardships I've gone through over my career. Because if I can help save somebody from making some of the mistakes I've made over the years, I love doing that. So why not? Yeah, more power to us, right? Well, that brings me to one of my favorite aspects of Sarah. And that is your willingness and absolute magic at influencing without authority. And I don't think it's a concept that I love. I I mean, there are books on it. We can learn a lot about influencing without authority, but you are masterful at that. And I say that because as you mentioned early on, that the equine team at Midwest Vet Supply all report to their regional managers, whether that's inside a call center or outside in the field, they are reporting to managers, but they are still a part of the equine team, which you ultimately have primary responsibility for. And from the first time that I watched you interact with your team at AAEP or uh, Equine Summit, you have so much respect from that team. So when you see them together and when you see them operating so functionally and there's there's a lot of fun that is had, but they are clearly working hard. And Sarah, I they're working for you. You have placed goals in front of them. You've made it very clear what the expectation is of how this event, how the quarter, how the year will come together. And they are all working toward that goal. And so for our listeners, when I share the term influencing without authority, that is not easy. And so can you speak to that concept from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, it comes, it feels like it comes easy to me. But the biggest thing is just honestly teamwork. I mean, having that team atmosphere is so important to me. And that's the biggest thing I drive home to everyone, like from the day that somebody comes onto that team, like that is the number one aspect, like, like the rule is like, we can play hard, but we have to work hard too. And if you can't do both, then don't play hard. At the end of the day, we're there for work, right? And we have to get our stuff done. But I do love to play, play just as hard. And I want, I love to reward the team. I love to have fun with the team. And I like to say that we're like a small family within the big Midwest family. And we're obviously like a much smaller team compared to the big scope of things at Midwest. But I am not, I mean, I'm not their manager, but I'm not. I'm a director at Midwest, right? So I do have to obviously have my limits of like how much fun I can have with them because I do have to show by example, right? But I find it really important that I don't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And I'm definitely not the type of leader that just is going to sit here in my chair with my feet on my desk and just direct out orders. Like I'm definitely the type of leader that likes to get in there and get my hands dirty. And I honestly think that that's part of probably why they do like follow and respect me as much as they do, because I learn with them. I work with them. I I don't, I work right beside them. And I like to, I've never gotten so big with, with my position, I guess, that I don't 
just dig right in there when when something needs to be done like it's not just them getting the work done like myself and my marketing manager we're a team like we're in it together i'm not successful as the director if they're not successful and vice versa and that's what it comes down to when it's a team and i tell them that all the time i thank them all the time i but I also have to tell them when they're not doing something right too, right? So, and they know that. They know that like we can have fun when it's the right time to have fun, but they also know that when something's not right and I gotta come down on them, I gotta come down on them. And they respect that too. But they also know that if they ever need me, that I'm there, I'm the first one there for them too. And that if I tell them I'm gonna do something, it's gonna get done. I never... I'm never going to be the one that's going to say like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that and just drop the ball. And I think that's one of the biggest things that they, they respect about me and that they can rely on with me is that if they need me for something or they need help with something that they know it's, it's going to get done and I'm going to help them. So they feel like they can come to me with anything. And that's something that's really important to me. Like I don't ever want to be that, that leader that they are saying to another employee outside of our team like Sarah doesn't ever get get things done or I went to Sarah three times about this and she doesn't get it done because then I have failed in my job in my opinion and so that kind of stuff's really important to me and it's really important in making that team whole and making it that little family I guess in the bigger Midwest family and it wouldn't matter if I was at Midwest or or another company or wherever I was like that's the kind of teamwork that I want for whatever, whether it's my direct team that I manage or whether it's just an, a team that I influence, like you're talking about right now. That is super important to me that I'm doing the right thing as a leader. Yes, doing the right thing and providing access and being a part of it. And you've come back to one point multiple times that I, I don't want to miss out on. And that is do there's nothing that isn't our job. Today, we might need to take five minutes to sweep the floor and we're going to take five minutes to sweep the floor and our people need to see us doing all the things. I have watched you set up the booth and tear down the booth and, you know, there is just nothing that any of us shouldn't be doing that's part of the bigger picture of who we are personally and professionally. Now, one other point that I've heard you make, Sarah, is marketing yourself and one of the things that I've talked a lot about even recently with even vet clinics and different organizations is branding, personal branding and how important that is becoming. It's really quite kind of a buzz phrase of personal branding. And so you've talked about that before it was cool to talk about maybe is the right way to put it, but marketing yourself that no one will discover you without effort. So speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about. I mean, I guess earlier when I was talking about like how I got to where I am, I mean, I guess today, unless you're one of the really fortunate people that just has the connections to get to where you want to go. I mean, the only way you're going to get there is by one, working your butt off, but two, also just networking, meeting the right people, marketing yourself, like Jody was saying. I mean, nowadays, social media, I mean, LinkedIn, networking with people. I mean, you can, I can live in South Carolina, you can live in California, and I can market and brand myself and network on social media with people all across the country in this industry with other equine people. And that's the amazing, fabulous thing about it. 
but just obviously knowing how to professionally and properly do it. That would be the biggest key I would say is that I see, I think is the, like, probably the biggest mistake that I see people making when it comes to like branding themselves. If you're trying to get into like a professional, professional role in some capacity, like just maybe filter what you're putting out there on social media. If you're connecting with work fo- folks on your social media, have either, if you want to have a personal social media where you want to be able to put everything and anything out there, including yourself in a bikini, like maybe have a different personal one than you do for a professional one. Cause some that stuff lives out there forever. You know what I mean? So when it comes to like marketing and branding yourself, like just when you're, if you're younger now and just getting into it, like maybe consider some of like where you want to go someday. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to own a practice someday? Cause if you do maybe don't have like you, you know, shotgunning some beers in your social media. Now, if you want to be a respected practice owner in five to 10 years, because that's still going to be out there someday. So just think of some of that stuff right now, like with the marketing and branding yourself, especially on the online on social media right now too. But networking is a really big thing too, with people in this industry, like don't burn bridges. That's a really big thing because you never, this industry is small. You never know where someone's going to land as well. And don't be afraid to like, just talk to people. I mean, I know you've talked about that on some of your other podcast Jody with some of your other guests like I know it's really scary to like try and talk to people you don't know or try and reach out to somebody you don't know but that's the only way you're going to connect with people right that's the only way you are going to market yourself that's the only way you're going to find a mentor or you're going to make other connections is to reach out to people to take that scary step and just go outside of your comfort zone and do it like we've all had to do it before so just bite the bullet and do it Without a doubt. I have a call later today that I am also excited about as excited as I get to be on the podcast, but I still get really nervous and excited, but I make myself do those hard things. I need to continue to grow my network. And so reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, you met, you mentioned LinkedIn, you know that I'm a huge advocate for our listeners, making sure that they're putting time into that LinkedIn profile, it truly is, it will keep the attention away from some of the other social media platforms if you are super strong on LinkedIn. And that is really the platform where so many things are happening in our industry and the right the right conversations, the right connections that's productive and positive and influential and impactful. That's where we need to be. So I will give a plug for that effort as well. But uh, you are right. And as we wrap up, Sarah, there's there's so much wisdom that you've shared, like I said, but just to kind of recap, pursuing those goals is really important to you. And you've established those goals throughout your career. Pursue those goals and then know your worth. I think that that's really key. And we should all spend some time reflecting on that. So who are we? And what is our our own individual mission, our purpose and our contribution? And that's hugely important. So really having some outline and understanding of what you want your worth to be and what your worth is. And and so I just don't want to lose the impact of that statement that you shared with us. And then Again, I will go back and listen through our conversation on being women in business because you really bring a lot of value and impact to that 
particular conversation. And that's a conversation that we have to continue to have. So our listeners, the young women that are out here listening to you and I, uh, who are 20 years or so into these careers in an industry, and we've achieved goals that we never dreamed possible and, you know, have really gotten places that we never scripted. It truly is surrounding yourself with the right people, making those connections, accepting those failures and really pursuing growth, individual and professional growth uh, through your career. And then we talked about just influencing without authority. That's a concept I think that our listeners can really again, kind of internalize and think about what does that mean for each of us? How can we influence the people with around us? Are we influencing our colleagues? Are we influencing our manager? Are we influencing our customers? And all of the people in our life, how are we influencing and are we doing it positively and productively? And finally, marketing yourself and and really being able to understand that you are meant to be exactly where you are. And that's magical in and of itself. You know, you are here on purpose and let's continue to make sure that we are going in the direction of our purpose and mission. So, yeah, so much to take away. What else do you have as, as we wrap up, Sarah, let our listeners know any final thoughts from you and also how they can connect with you. Yeah. So, I mean, the two things I guess I would say just on your wrap up that you just said is when it comes to your goals, don't give up on them. Like you're going to hit roadblocks. It's going to get hard. You're going to be crying on your pillow at night. I certainly did when I was younger, a few times where I wanted to just give up because I'm like, I'm never going to achieve what I want. I still cry in my pillow. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, once in a while I do. I mean, I, who doesn't have like those frustration days, right? But I mean, when you're younger, it's harder. Your emotions are a lot higher. And I remember those days still. And I would just tell you, don't give up on them. And there's so many people, I agree. There's so many people out there in, in this industry that want to help and teach different people that have a passion for this industry. Um, don't give up on them and reach out to people that want to help. If you have the desire and the work ethic to put behind whatever you want to do. There's people that'll teach you how to do it and that'll help you. And that, and that if even at all, will just encourage you. If you just need someone to talk to you to help get you through that day when you're having a bad day and you feel like you're, you want to give up on your goals, there's plenty of people that'll just listen to you and, and talk you through that day. So don't give up, like just keep reaching for whatever you want to do and you'll get there 25 years later. I can't believe I'm, I'm where I am right now. And I think back and I'm so appreciative of everything I've gone through. And then the influencing thing, the one thing I would say too, is I think about it all the time. And I do know that I, I have that influence, but some people probably don't realize that they have that influence over people. So be aware, you know, try and be aware if you do have that to make sure that you're, if you do have that influence over people that you're influencing them in a positive manner too. Cause I think some people are not self-aware that they, they, that they have that ability to influence people, especially when you're in a leadership position. And that people are looking up to you and that you're doing it in a positive manner and that you're influencing them in a in a positive way that, so that you're setting them on, on the right path in their career. So, yeah. And then if anyone wants to connect with me, I think, I don't know, I think, Jody, you have my email address, but I, I am on LinkedIn, Sarah Showalter. Um, 
please feel free to reach out to me as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. So here to help anybody, if you want to reach out, feel free to, I'd love to connect with anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I will share Sarah's LinkedIn contact on our show notes, certainly. And that way they'll have the correct spelling of your name and those kinds of things and can reach out to you and connect with you that way. And for our thrivers, you know, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and Jody Lynch Finley, as well as the Thriving Equine Professional page on LinkedIn. And my website is www.jodyspeakslife.com, J-O-D-I speakslife.com. And so as I'm wrapping up, Sarah, I just have to say that as I really think about this brand and Jody Speaks Life being living, inspired, fulfilled, and empowered, you truly live live that. And I appreciate you being here today and sharing so much of your journey with our listeners. But it is important to me to highlight that not only are you a thriving equine professional, but you are a thriver, right? So you talked about just this season of your life, and there's so much joy going on with you personally, and you're in a place geographically where you truly love where you are. And all of those things come together when we are really pursuing goals like you talked about and surrounding ourselves with great people and expecting growth out of ourselves. So I am honored to have you on today and I appreciate you as a friend and a professional and as a mentor. And I um, I just couldn't couldn't be happier to be able to share your story today. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. This was so much fun. I loved it. Awesome. Thrivers, we will see you next week, same time. Have an amazing day. Hey, Thriver, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.